This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham, Thursday program. Uh, the great Roddy Jones is here. And uh, coming up, Danny Hall in about 15 minutes. Link Jarrett in a half hour. We'll talk our uh, more regional baseball coverage with the head coach at Georgia Tech and Notre Dame, respectively. Um, we, uh, we're we going to get into some of this AD news. Our topic, based on the uh, video of Steph Curry walking out of a uh, big box golf store with new regrip clubs, what's the most random place you've ever seen your favorite ACC coach or star? 844-SAY-ACC, uh, or hit us up on social media. And Johnny in North Carolina, I think, Gets us started on this here in the nine o'clock hour. Johnny, good morning. Uh, good morning, Wes. How y'all? We're good, man. I uh, uh, just wanted to call and uh, find out uh, how you feel about the Toyos being the national champs. Uh, everybody in Eureka from Wayne County who are Toyos, we are very proud of them. Uh, Don Williams, who works at the uh, Rams Club is a yeah, very sure. good friend of mine, and uh, I was spending the day with uh, Phil Ford last Monday, and he seems to think that the basketball team is going to be excellent this year. Uh, Johnny, I would say that of the teams, I appreciate the call, of the teams that had players come back in college basketball, Roddy, uh, nobody may have been a bigger winner in some respect than North Carolina, who got Armando Baycott, Caleb Love, and R.J. Davis all to come back, and Leaky Black to use his COVID year. Yeah, the the the, the quadfecta is that a, is that a word? Quadfecta, the foursome that they sure. got back certainly puts them at the top of of anybody in the country. Caleb Love was the one that that took the longest to decide, and his decision to come back really cemented them. I mean, they're certainly going to be preseason number one. They're going to be the favorite um, to, to make a deep run in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. So, I, I look, I think North Carolina is going to be fantastic. The question is, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a team that struggled at the beginning of last year and then really caught fire when everybody kind of started to doubt whether or not they were going to be a team to even make the tournament or certainly make a run. Uh, now they're going to have to deal with the opposite side of that. They're going to be heaped expectations on them. I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about the offseason Armando Baycott has had already. He's on the set of, of TV shows. He's doing all this different stuff. Can you keep the main thing mm-hmm. the main thing? And that's going out and playing basketball. That's for anybody with all the distractions going on. So those guys are going to be rock stars on campus. It's going to be a completely different feel for Hubert Davis in year two. I think the other thing, too, is you've got a couple of other teams that benefited uh, Houston being one, Marcus Sasser has come back to play for Kelvin Sampson. Gonzaga got Drew Timmy and Julian Strother back. I mean, so there are a couple of other schools beyond Carolina, but in terms of the ACC, you would have to look at the Tar Heels and say, wow, they did really well given what they could have lost and that they got Love and Davis and Baycott all back. Uh, now there is that question, you know, is Puff Johnson going to be the guy to step in, but we got until October to hear from Hubert Davis and, and he can sort all that out. Let's go to Phil in, uh, Arizona. They're up early in the desert watching Packer and Durham. Phil, good morning. 
I'm up every morning watching you early. It's uh, in the mid-dark here at that time of day. I have two points I'd like <laughs> to make on the uh, baseball tournament. Uh, one is uh, sure. we really shouldn't complain too much in the East Coast when 14 of the 16 uh, regionals are in the footprint of the ACC and the SEC, and everybody else has to go to you guys. Uh, the second thing is I think you really messed the boat on – continually beating up Grand Canyon as if they shouldn't be in it. They beat Texas Tech. They swept them. They beat. They split with Stanford. They split with Oregon State. They they, they win the series against the U of A, and uh, nobody else wants to play them because they're too damn good. Hmm. Well, and again, the problem, and, and Phil, appreciate the call, I would add this. The issue with Grand Canyon is not the schedule. What we were told was that RPI was centric to the process. Grand Canyon was 50. NC State was 33. So, uh, and not to dismiss anything Grand Canyon did, but when you come out and say the RPI is going to be a piece of the proposition, Roddy, and yet you put a 50 in and you leave a 33 out, that's where the questions become. It's not about who you beat. Now, non-conference strength of schedule, I'm sure Grand Canyon's is better than NC State's. But you told us RPI was one of the measurables in this process. Yeah, and, and th- thanks for the call, Phil. Um, I I look at Grand Canyon. I actually don't have a problem with Grand Canyon getting in. RP, their RPI was extremely low for a team to get an at-large bid to the field. But when you talk about the high-end series wins, the high-end wins that Grand Canyon had this year, I didn't have a problem with it because the, cle- the committee clearly valued non-conference strength of schedule. My issue was more with Ole Miss getting in over Miss, over NC State. Um, in, in Grand Canyon's the one that stands out because of their RPI, but the resumes of Ole Miss and, and, and NC State look very similar. And look, I, I, I'm, this may get me in trouble, but when you when you look at the fact that the ACC and the SEC had the exact same number of top eight seeds, the ACC and the SEC had the exact same number of, of regional hosts, and then the ACC and the SEC, based on the decision to put Ole Miss in over NC State, end up with the exact same number of teams make a regional – that's a little too coincidental for me to just chalk right. it up that, hey, we went strictly by the numbers. I, it looks to me like they valued these two conferences as equal. The ACC and the SEC were the two best conferences, clearly. Most thought the depth of the ACC was greater than the depth of the SEC. The performance of NC State in the ACC tournament had to mean something. It appears that it did not. And so the decision to put Ole Miss in really strikes me as, let's keep these two right there neck and neck with each other. Because like I said earlier, Notre Dame should be a host. NC State should be in the tournament. But that would have upset the balance. You'd have then had five ACC teams hosting. You'd have had 10 ACC teams and eight SEC teams. So I think the committee, whether cognizantly or not, I think that played into the decision and, uh, and really hurt NC State and honestly Notre Dame as well. And the bigger discussion, Roddy, to what you just made, that point – falls back to what Aaron Fitz said Monday afternoon of no ACC representation on the Division One Baseball Committee in yeah. the last five years. That's the real issue yeah. that the ACC is fighting. There was no voice in the room to counter anything that was being said related to NC State or related to the numbers. That's the part. Yeah. And John Cohen is the athletics director at Mississippi State and the former baseball coach. Got it. Got no problem with John Cohen. Nice man, well-respected. Idea, though, here is 
The ACC did not have a voice in the room in a year when arguably they had the best baseball conference in the country. Now, can they prove it in this event? Because we all know how basketball went, where the ACC was being shoved to the curb for America's basketball conference for 60 days. And then when we got to the NCAA tournament and the ACC put three in the final uh, eight, if you will, and had a chance to get more than two to the final four, then everybody said, well, that league's pretty good. We'll see what happens in the baseball event. It, it, this is the event that tells the story. If they get two to the College World Series like they did last year, then the storyline will hold itself. If they don't, then yeah. you, have to, you have to stand fire and listen to the rest of it. Well, I, I and I the the performance in the tournament certainly is important. Um, I don't think it justifies the the committee's decision if it doesn't go well for the ACC, and I don't think it 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 has any bearing on the decision by the committee if the ACC does really well. Getting to a regional is based on what you did during the regular season, and if the the non conference strength of schedule is what you're going to go by, then I mean you're going to have teams canceling games consistently. Texas A&M canceled a game, a non-conference game late in the right. year because it was going to impact their RPI and their non-conference strength of schedule. So if you're going to go based on that, based on, look, you, you schedule those games and is it a data, data, data point? Sure. But when you look at the resumes of, of NC State and Ole Miss in particular, um, I, I just felt like, I felt like NC State deserved it more than Ole Miss. But you can make the numbers say whatever you want. And then the, the numbers that the committee looked at valued Ole Miss more. But I don't think the performance in the tournament, good or bad, really changes the perspective that that Notre Dame should be playing in South Bend this weekend and, uh, and that NC State should be playing somewhere. All right, let's get to uh, Mark in Tennessee. Mark, you're next on Packer and Durham. Yeah, hi. I uh, just wanted to share a story about uh, my wife and I were traveling through Winston-Salem and we're at the tavern in Rinalda. And as we're sitting there waiting to be seated, uh, here comes a group of Wake Forest football coaches and recruits, uh, including Dave Clawson. And I'm sitting there wearing my bright red and white NC State shirt as they walked by. <laughs> and uh, so they went to a table, the reserve table in the outdoor seating area. And so sure enough, the hostess comes and takes my wife and I and sits us at the table right next to theirs. And Dave Clawson's sitting at the end of the table, and he looks up, and he, it's the elephant in the room, and he says, that's an ugly shirt. And I said, well, it depends <laughs> on where you went to school. <laughs> and uh, I said, but I will have you know, my best friend is a demon deacon. And he says, well, at least you hang out with good people. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. I can, I can see that. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Great call. Uh, let's get Jim in South Carolina before the break. Hey, Jim. Good morning, Wes. Roddy, how are you guys doing? We're good. Great. I just had a quick story about Coach Danny Ford. I had the opportunity to run into him three different times so far in my lifetime. Uh, once at a feed and feed store buying stuff for his chicken coops. Then I had the opportunity to run into him at the uh, – restaurant but the the most memorable time i was working a uh parking detail in a mega church parking lot in anderson in uh 
cars coming around, you know, we got several guys where radios car gets through our process and he's coming down the lane that I'm working where nobody's supposed to be parking. You say, Oh, check that car out. Check that car out. <laughs> so, you know, I go up when coach Ford rose the window down and I said, Oh, Hey coach Ford, how are you doing this morning? He's like, I'm doing good there, bud. How are you? And I said, I'm fine. Happened to be an Easter Sunday. And I, he said, can I park right down here on this end? My sis, I got to go to my daughter's church here later. I got to get out of here quick. You mind if I park on this? I said, sure, Coach Ford, go ahead. Of course, everybody comes on ready. What's that guy doing? What's that guy doing? I said, hey, that's Coach Ford. I told him he could park where he wanted to down here. You just leave him alone. And, of course, one of the other guys comes <laughs> on and says, well, that was Coach Furrier. You wouldn't have do that. And I said, sure, I pointed him to the church down the road and said, that's a much better place to go down there, Coach Furrier. all right jim thank you if only Uh, packer were here to do the danny ford impression uh yeah i know (laughs) so uh all right appreciate the calls random random encounters when we come back danny hall joins us georgia tech is in knoxville representing the acc is the two seed they draw the campbell camels out of the big south 17's going to want Roddy Jones' scouting report on his opponent. Roddy will provide that next when we continue on Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Uh, Packer and Durham, coming up, uh, Danny Hall gives us his walk-up music, Roddy. Among other things, can't wait to hear this. He is not. Yeah, I can't wait. He has not provided his walk-up music, um, <laughs> and we welcome the uh, legendary head coach of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who joins us live from Knoxville, Tennessee, this morning. The site of the region that features the number one overall seed, Tennessee Volunteers, who see Alabama State. Meanwhile, the uh, Jolton Jackets will play the Big South champion Campbell Camels and. Danny, thank you as always. I don't know if you realize this, but Roddy Jones was a part of the broadcast of the Big South Championship, so he's got all the intel on Campbell you may need if there's any late ad you need for your scouting report for your team today. Oh, I definitely – we need all the help we can get. So, yeah, I think maybe when we're done, I'm going to call Roddy and just see what he's got. But, uh, you know, I'm sure Roddy (laughs) saw that. As we see it on our scouting and watching video, these guys are really good. That yeah, is the, the part this is about the only the, scouting uh, report that I would give you, Coach. <laughs> the, the only scouting report I would give you is, is, is locate locate it because if you throw it down the middle, they can really hit it. That's all I got for you. I know, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I think someone told me that they put three of the top home run hitting uh, teams in the NCA in the same regional. So. You know, not sure if we're going to see all that. Hope, hopefully, uh, we see some on our end and not against us. But uh, you know, this ballpark ballpark's prone to a lot of home runs, and so it could be very interesting, as they say. Danny, the top seed, obviously, Tony Vitello's done a great job at Tennessee. There's no getting around that part. But Roddy and I are just talking about the statistical markers of Tennessee's program a moment ago in discussing your bracket. Um. The ERA number, the home run number, I mean, it almost looks like it's a misprint at times when you think about just where they are as a baseball team. 
No, I mean, it's, uh, I think that's why they've been number one for several weeks, Wes, is that there, there appears to be zero holes in their uh, arsenal. And, you know, you said it right. Uh, Tony's done a tremendous job here. Uh, they've kind of got it rolling, and, and they have a really, really talented team that has performed extremely well in, you know, if not the toughest, uh, one of the toughest conferences in America. Mm-hmm. Well, Coach, I mean, your offense, though, takes a backseat to nobody. You've got the nation's leading hitter when it comes to, to, to average and Chandler Simpson at the top, who's been fantastic for you. He's been a, a dynamo on the base pass as well. Obviously, Kevin Parada has been one of the leaders in home runs throughout the season. Andrew Jenkins, you could just continue to go down the list of that lineup and talk about how good it's been. What's it been like for you in the dugout watching this team uh, on offense on a game-in, game-out basis? It's been fun to watch. You know, these guys have uh, all performed at a at a high, high level. I think six of our nine starters uh, made all-conference. Um, you know, Parada is going to be a high draft pick. I certainly think that, you know, Jenkins and Simpson would have a chance to go really high. Tres Gonzalez is just kind of a sleeper in the four hole. He doesn't hit home runs like those guys hit, but he's always on base. He puts the ball in play and Timmy Borden, Stephen Reed, and then we could just kind of go on and on. Uh, you know, they, they've been impressive and, you know, I think we uh, we play in a great conference, and so to just see what these guys have done week in and week out uh, against really good opponents, it's been fun to watch. I want to pivot to the league as a whole here. Um, you know, you've seen this thing play out for a long time now. Uh, this this appears to be one of the better years for ACC baseball. Uh, nine teams, four of them hosting. The league takes, as Roddy said, in terms of backseat on offense, you take no backseat to no other league in this country. Uh, From your perspective, is this event critical to establishing kind of the profile of the playing personality of what this league is becoming or has become? I think we definitely have that opportunity, Wes. You know, I mean, we're playing the number one team in the country from, you know, the SEC, which everybody – you know, for years, and, and they've earned that right because they've won so many national championships to say that they're the best league. Uh, but, yeah, I think a lot of us have opportunities in some of these, you know, regionals to, you know, hopefully uh, just let everybody know how good our league is. And, um, you know, and I do think that just top to bottom this year that the league's the strongest it's ever been. And, you, you know, you've seen it coming for a few years because everybody's – Got good coaches. They're building facilities, and uh, you know, and and then I think COVID has ramped it up some. With uh, just everybody's got older teams, and and uh, and as a result, you know, those wins are hard to come by in the conference. Yeah. Well, coach, the, the Tennessee obviously gets gets the headlines in this regional, and rightfully so, with what they've done. Um, but but you have to focus your team on playing Campbell. You're going to see a you know first or second round pick on the mound and Thomas Harrington in that first game. They've got a first round pick in Zach Neto at shortstop. How, how do you keep your team focused on, hey, look, Tennessee's down the line. We've got the Campbell Camels who are incredibly hot through that Big South tournament. We've got them first and foremost. How do you keep your team focused on that? Oh, we just talk about it all the time, Roddy, and you're, you're 100% right. Like everybody – 
already wants to put us against Tennessee, and it just doesn't work that way. We have to play well to uh, to beat an outstanding Campbell team. I mean, they, they their coach uh, has done a tremendous job. I think they you know won four years in a row in their conference. They've won forty games. Uh, you're right. Harrington is a, a top round pick. Throws four pitches per strikes and has been up in the mid nineties. And then <laughs> everybody, and then just watching him on. On Tate, Neto, I mean, I, I'd take Neto right now. I mean, he's a great shortstop. He's got tremendous power, tremendous instincts, and he's going to be a high draft pick. But those aren't the only two guys they have. You look down, you know, just down their lineup, they've got as many guys as we have with double figures and home runs, and then uh, they've got pitching. So this won't be easy. This time of year, everybody has earned the right to get here. Uh, a team like Campbell has won their conference. And uh, and they're very confident because they have won a lot of games. Danny, I asked Brian O'Connor this question a half hour ago. Link Jarrett's going to be with us in a few minutes uh, from Statesboro, assuming they're staying in Statesboro, which may be another story altogether. We'll figure that out with Link in a minute. Um, here's my question. For as many times as you've been to the NCAA baseball term as a head coach, what is the most important commodity starting tomorrow at noon? Is there one thing that you know in order to be successful we have to do? Yeah, you have to pitch well. And, uh, and then you, you hope you're playing good defense. And I, I will say we started the year kind of rough in both categories. I think we've been much better lately. And, uh, and so I think that that gives me some encouragement that we are uh, hopefully finding our stride a little bit with some pitching and with some defense. And then you hope that our offense can get untracked. You know, if if uh, if we can get untracked and kind of just get going, uh, we're pretty hard to stop sometimes. So uh, you can't count on offense when you get to this time of year because everybody's got some pitching. But you hope you pitch it well. You hope you just make the normal routine plays and don't give a team extra outs. Don't walk a bunch of guys. Uh, and I think if we do that, we're going to be fine. Hmm. Yeah. Well, well, Coach, talking about the pitching, we asked Brian O'Connor this as well. Managing a pitching staff through this weekend, you've obviously, you know, every week, every game is is important to win, but you've also got to think about the fact that you could be playing five over the course of the weekend. So how do you balance those two things? Well, you just try to win every game, Roddy, and, and uh, I don't think you would uh, <laughs> just, you know, hold anybody back uh, – if you know to try try to save them for tomorrow when you could lose today, and uh, we've tried to map out you know as best as uh, as we can, uh, you know probably the first couple games, uh, like we know who's going to start for us on Friday, and we know uh, you know who's probably going to start Saturday if we win, and we probably know who's going to start if we lose. Uh, so. You know, you look at those maybe first couple opportunities and, and you can say, OK, these guys are starting. But then it's kind of all hands on deck to uh, win each game as, as you play it. Uh, OK, so here here's kind of the last thing we've got uh, back early in the year, calendar year, January. Packers started asking every head coach in the ACC this very important question. Why are you laughing? You don't even know what the question is. Yeah, well, or do no, you know I don't what know the what's question coming. is? I'm not sure what's okay. coming. But <laughs> All right, I'm well, sure it's Packer, good. Packer, 
Yeah, Packers in Italy. So uh, we hope he's coming back. It's as Roddy said, it's fifty fifty based on some of the social media stuff. He may just stay and call it off. He's got plenty of bread. He could do it if he wanted to. Um, all right. So the question is this: What's your walk up music? You get in a bat. You got to get jacked up. Now batting number seventeen, Danny <laughs> Hall. What music are they playing? <laughs> That's a, that's a tough question, Wes, but you, you know uh, when I grew up. So I'm probably going back to, uh, y- you know, uh, the Gap Band or, uh, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know, yeah. maybe the Eagles. Uh, you know, you could probably choose a song from just about any of those, uh, uh, those, those bands, and, uh, and I'd probably be, uh, probably be fine with it. And uh, so it'd be something from, you know, the era that, you know, when I was walking around the campus of Miami of Ohio. There you go. There you right. go. Hey, um, <laughs> how, about, how about this? Brian O'Connor said anything from George Strait. Oh, my. Yeah, the boy from Omaha. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought he would have gone there, but he did. Yeah, yeah. so there you go. Yeah, Brian, O'Con- Brian O'Connor went George Strait on us. Hey, uh, great to see you. By the way, um, it is how's how's Miss Kara doing with the fact that there won't be a son playing baseball next year at Georgia Tech? I mean, we've had this nice run of <laughs> Carter and Colin. Are we okay with a Georgia Tech team without a Hall kid on it next year? Are we good there? I'm not sure she is. Uh, you know, I, and uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I haven't given it a lot of thought, uh, but I know she has, and. Uh, you know, and it's hard to believe uh, I, I got a chance to, you know, do an interview yesterday kind of about it. And it's been a great run to have a son on the team here the last oh. few years. And you look next year and now you're not going to. So I think it'll probably yeah. be different for me, but it's going to be way different for Miss Kara. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> thank you. Be well. OK. Always good to catch up. Thank we'll you see guys. you soon. Appreciate it. All have right. a good day. Appreciate it, Coach. You bet. Danny Hall, baseball coach at Georgia Tech, one of the terrific people in the game, and one of the terrific people in college athletics, to be quite frank with you. Uh, what, when we come back... Why, did, yes, why, sir. Didn't you, why didn't you tell him you saw Earth, Wind & Fire at the Greensboro Coliseum? I did. On the 21st of September, too, by the way, Roddy, 1979. Link Jarrett from Parts Unknown in South Georgia when we continue in a moment on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Uh, Link Jarrett joins us. We are happy to report that Notre Dame is staying in Statesboro. Coach, good morning. How are you? Bella's doing great. Yep, we're, we're here. We're in good shape. I think UNCG, my old school coach Godwin, I think they had some sort of conflict and they're in Savannah. So I'll catch up with those guys at practice, but that'll be an interesting story from Billy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be one of them, right, Roddy? Uh, yeah, as, as a guy who's born and raised in Georgia and West spent enough time down here, uh, I know the hall from Savannah to Statesboro. I also know the hall from Statesboro to anywhere, but uh, but it'll be it'll be quite the story, Coach. Appreciate you hopping on with us. Well, no problem, guys. Happy to help. All right, um, let's get twofold here. One. You're the two seed. Um, Everybody says you deserve to host. We tend to agree with that, obviously. We know the kind of year you had. 
So how much layering here have you had to do with your team about, hey, we can't do anything about this. Now the task is this other part out here, and that's going on the road to play at the basically the 16th seed, Georgia Southern, and you've got a quality opponent, obviously, in Texas Tech tomorrow. Well, the initial disappointment uh, of Sunday night was evident when we got together to watch it. Now, we're, we're um, coming back from Charlotte Sunday night, so we knew that we were not hosting uh, going into Monday. And the guys are obviously frustrated. Look, the key to this is that you're in. You, you have to position yourself to be in this tournament, which we did. There's a lot of teams that clearly are not. Um, so that's the biggest thing. You have to go beat good teams whether you're at home or you're on the road. Um, the hosting piece is a reward for what the players accomplish throughout the year. So that's how I have always looked at it. I've been fortunate to host in a lot of programs. Um, you feel like it's a reward. And I think for the group – this stemmed a little bit from last year because when you, you win the ACC by four and a half games last year and, and aren't a national seed, some of the points that were made this year as the guys watched the show seemed to say that what was required was what they did last year. So as mm-hmm. I felt the mood in the room, um, I tried to explain how this works. The metrics of this selection are very difficult. I think that's the biggest issue. I I saw uh, you had Danny on, and he's far more of an expert in this industry than myself. But I think that committee of 10 athletic directors, with all they have on their plate, running athletic departments, managing who knows how many dozens of sports in some cases, um, I think everybody coming together to consolidate what metrics seem to produce – the teams that belong in the tournament is something we need to really look at. And it, it surfaces for a week around the selection, and then I feel like it, it goes back underwater until we deal with it again uh, next Memorial Day. So I think we need to look at that because there's so many things that are talked about, but as, as ADs and coaches, I think if the target was clearly presented, people would know better how to schedule, what to do, where to go, what matters the most, and lay this out. Whether you're in the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, the SOCON, I've had to deal with this in in two different head coaching situations, and there are some guys that coach in great mid-major programs that essentially have talked to me, and I was one of them at one point. You feel like you almost have to play a perfect, perfect season to have a chance to get an at-large bid, and if you don't win the conference tournament, you're out of the discussion. So I've had Hmm. a dozen people ask me, Coach, what do you think we need to do to solidify ourselves to get in? And this is at every level of college baseball. So I think finding concrete answers where it's not left in the hands of the 10 athletic directors who have such – this is a hard, hard job. I just feel like maybe coming up with consistent metrics so everybody knows and there's not so much – um, to figure out at the very end. So I'm not an expert in it, but, you know, you try to put your team in the best possible position. And sometimes you feel like if you knew a little more about what mattered the most, um, 
and you might have a, an easier pathway to get there. Yeah, coach, I, I agree with you. And I think it's well said. I think it's, you know, athletic directors have a tough job. They're not watching all the teams. They're not seeing all the games or maybe even all the conference tournaments. But when you look at a team like you guys and a team like TCU uh, not being a host, a team like Wofford getting left out, a team like NC State getting left out, I, I, I agree, like figuring out what matters the most and what best predicts um, how good these teams are, I think is important. But for for you, I mean, you get put in the Statesboro Regional, Georgia Southern playing really well, particularly through through conference play. Texas Tech is a top five team talent-wise and has played like that at times. That's who you get first and foremost. How do you refocus your team on the fact that you got the Red Raiders, who are as talented as anybody in the country? Well, we used Monday afternoon to refocus and I said, guys, what you have accomplished in sitting in this room and watching your name come up on the screen, that you're in this thing, that's what matters the most. You're going to have to go beat good teams. There are 16 of these regionals full of good teams. You have to be in. Okay, look at what you did. You broke every academic record in the program history. You won more games aggregate total than anybody in your division. I couldn't have asked you to do more. You carry yourselves brilliantly on the campus, in the community. I couldn't ask for more. I'm as proud as I can be. I know you're upset about what happened last year. You might be disappointed about this. We're playing. There's 250 people that are not playing. Texas Tech was a super regional team. Georgia Southern absolutely rolling. And UNCG won six games in the conference tournament, I think, of seven. Unbelievable. So you better strap it on because when we leave this room, we got to come back tomorrow and practice and get ourselves in the right mindset, prepare for Texas Tech. That's a championship-level team. We have to be ready to go. End of story. Uh, now, there are teams, I, and NC State was one. You know, think about guys being, being in that situation. Those, those players, you looked at a lot of the projections. They were a two-seed. They had a winning aggregate record in the ACC and – um, they were 33 in the RPI, so I think everybody felt like that team was probably in. I, I go back to the, the metrics and what matters. You know, Does the balance of the ACC and SEC teams getting in, does that matter? If it does, that's okay. Just I think on the front end, people would benefit from, from knowing. And the RPI is complicated. Is our RPI calculation correct in baseball? Um, you might need a mathematician to help with that one. I really don't know. I just know there's a lot of different things that are discussed, and um, you feel bad for some of the programs that, that are left out. And there's some really good teams that are left out. I think, obviously, every team that is in this has a chance to advance and go far. You play well in this environment. You, you play consistent defense. You pitch, timely hitting. You can win in advance. Getting into it is the – is the whole key. And I thought our conference top to bottom this year was fantastic. Thought we might get 10 teams in. Um, it is what it is. We have to go play. And you do, you hurt for some of the teams in the league that found themselves on the bubble. If you have 64 teams in, there's going to be four that are left out. If you have 80 teams in, there's going to be four that are left out. If you have 100 in, there's still going to be that next group, no matter how you do this, that feels like they should be in. That's the reality. This year, um, it was unfortunate for the Wolfpack. 
Link, you know, here's the thing. We can we can go back. You you touched on one thing here that and I and full disclosure, I talked to Brian O'Connor, we've talked to Danny Hall, and I've asked the same question. Knowing what you know about last year and knowing what you know about this year's baseball team, what's the most important thing you have to get done to be successful in Statesboro this weekend? Well, you have to get good starting pitching. Um, I think that's that's where it goes. Uh, we need Bertrand to go out, and we need him to do what he's done. We need to play the type of defense that, that we've seen our teams play in the last two years. I think that has been a strength. Our, our outfield range and athleticism has helped us. Um, our infield play has obviously helped JM, and when he's on his game, you can see those sliders. When he's got the spin of that slider where he needs it to be, moves his fastball around, he's going to need the changeup to be in play against Texas Tech, who's a potent, aggressive, uh, I'm not going to say free-swinging, but these guys are up there to hit. They've got a great slugging percentage. They're up there to stand in and get good pitches to hit and drive balls. This place plays, um, in my history here, a little smaller. The ball really carries, so... Being on your game with your secondary pitches, getting good starts is where this begins. Defending, and then the timeliness of hitting. When you get opportunities against other good pitching staffs to deliver blows, you need to have your good at-bats and drive the ball and move the ball um, to produce in a timely manner. If you have opportunities for the short game and the running game as a, as a versatile offense, which I feel like at times we are, we need to be able to take advantage of that. So well-rounded baseball really starts on the mound. It matriculates to how you play defensively, and then the timeliness of the offense is the whole key. It keeps the momentum on your side. It diminishes the crowd impact if you can get out and get a lead and take advantage of the momentum situation. So that's what we need to do. There are three really, really good teams in this, and and we would be the fourth. Uh, So this is going to be exciting. The weather's supposed to be good, warm, muggy. They left us. I think we had a little bug spray here, so some of our guys haven't maybe dealt with the South Georgia. The Nats were below the Nat line. When I coached at Mercer, I learned about the Nat line, right? Roddy, you know about that, and we're south of it here, right? Yes, sir. We talk about the geographics and the weather and, you know, the the insects. So that's neat. Happy to be back down here. (laughs) Got to get the full scouting report, Coach, the full scouting report, including the insects. And the mosquitoes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, when we moved to Bacon, some my neighbors talked about that gnat line, and I had never heard of it. And I lived in Tallahassee for <laughs> basically my whole life, and I did I didn't know there was there was a such thing. And I looked on that map, and sure enough, it goes all the way up the east coast. So try to learn something. Every <laughs> absolutely. Uh, last question for me: You got an experienced lineup. I mean, with the exception of a couple of guys, you got a, a group that's been there, done that. Obviously, had the experience last year. You talked about Bertrand going out there first for you. How much does that help you, the experience, the fact that you have an older group? It's huge. You know, it's huge. They've been in, other than the atmosphere in Omaha, like the the Starkville Super Regional, um, you're talking about people standing on top of people, standing on people in the concourses and hanging over the edges. It was great. I mean, it's a great atmosphere. This will be a great atmosphere. These – these fans here, they, they absolutely love it. Uh, when we came down, when I was coaching at Greensboro in East Carolina, they love this. So good atmosphere. Um, and the experience of, you know, we've been to Florida State this year. We've been to Miami. We've been to Louisville. We've been to NC State. 
Um, we've played three mm-hmm. series in the in the state of Florida, so they're well traveled. They're seasoned, um, but the ultimate test is how well you execute. And old or young, um, the game doesn't know your age. The ball doesn't know whether you're a grad student or a freshman. You have to go out and execute and perform. That trumps everything else from pitch execution to defensive fundamentals and, and thinking the game defensively to, to how you prepare and function offensively. That trumps everything. But when you look at a group that's been through these type of series and fights, it makes you feel good going into the environment and, and entering this sort of competition. All right, last question here, Link. Uh, and this uh, hopefully will be one of the easier ones. Uh, since January, Packer has been asking – every head coach in the ACC, what their walk-up song would be. You got a walk-up song? Um, I'll, I'll go with Barefoot Blue Jean Knight. Who, Paris, who is that? Jake, Jake, Owen. Jake Owen. Yeah. Jake Owen. Jake Owen. Jake Owen. No. Florida State guy. Jake Owen. I don't know why I like that. Um, just I, I don't wear blue jeans a lot, and I don't go barefoot, but I guess the thought of what that might be like <laughs> – if you were yeah. actually doing it and maybe out in the fall one night when the dust settles and you're at, you know, a campfire yeah. or at a, at a beach and you're kind of hanging out um, with the family on the back porch at sunset, I'm going to go with that, Paris. I don't know if he can dial it up at some point today when I – No, no, that's good. No, no, we're good. Something. We're good. I'll go no, with that's, that that's good. I don't you, think I've ever had a walk You did great. No, that's good. How did that Florida go with State the other guy? Pick the Florida State – that's that's good. Jake Owens, a Florida State guy. That's why it's good. You picked a good one. Is he really? I like it. <laughs> yeah. What are the other coaches? You ask the other coaches this. Yeah, Danny Hall picked like Gap Band, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Brian O'Connor said anything from George George Strait. So there you go. All right. It's starting to come together. It's coming together. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Hey, good luck. Okay. Good luck for you, guys. Thank Look you. To thank you for all you do for us and the conference. You bet, man. Be well. Link Jarrett. We appreciate it, Coach. Coach Best of luck. Yep. Uh, his, team, his team, 2 o'clock tomorrow against Texas Tech. Sounds like John Michael Bertrand's getting the ball against the Red Raiders. That'd be a show. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you got to throw, throw Bertrand. You got to throw Bertrand. Yep. You got to win game one. You and when you're, when you're playing a team like Texas Tech, it's got to be Bertrand. There you go. All right, stay tuned. The Hidden Dynasty closes the show for us. We will do that next. Packer and Durham on ACC Network. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Dean Smith, uh, Dean Smith once said, Roddy, that North Carolina is not a basketball school. It's a women's soccer school. About right? It's true. It's true. Yeah. That play, and Dean Smith yeah. says that it's absolutely true. But uh, yeah. seriously, what, what that program has done is it's unbelievable, to be honest. Yeah. How, how about that, uh, that special coming up? It's part of the uh, ACC Network uh, celebration of 50 years of Title IX and an inside look at the women's soccer dynasty at North Carolina. And, of course, great to see Mia Hamm involved in that project, arguably the greatest player in collegiate women's soccer history. Look forward to that and more uh, coming up along with a bunch of baseball. Uh, a couple of notes here related to tomorrow's show. 
yesterday, Boston College officially announced Blake James as their new athletics director. He uh, replaced his Pat Kraft, who left for Penn State. And, of course, Blake had previously been at the University of Miami, so it'll be good to see him back in the ACC. Uh, Josh Hurd, all reports indicate that Josh Hurd will be the uh, athletic director at Louisville. And now Louisville has called a press conference for 830 tomorrow morning to, in fact, name Josh Hurd as their uh, permanent director of athletics, replacing Vince Tyree. So congratulations to both gentlemen on those fronts, especially Roddy. Yeah, congrats to those programs, as you said. And look, from a Louisville standpoint, they need stability. And from a Boston College standpoint, mm-hmm. it's been sort of a revolving door, not not for any fault of theirs. They've hired people that people want. And so Blake James yep. coming in will help steady the waters there as well. So uh, it's good to see both of those programs finding their man. All right. Roddy, thank you for the time as always. Appreciate you helping us out this week while Packer makes his Come way on. back from Italy. Uh, you're off to uh, the Louisville Regional with Mike Cousins. Coverage starts at noon tomorrow on ESPN+. Plus. On this show tomorrow, 9-15, the Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman will join us. We'll ask him about his tears in David Hale's ranking of quarterbacks. Uh, beyond a great job directing, Drew Brooks, producer emeritus, called the shots. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. on Packer and Durham. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.